G'day you mob, Pete here, and this is another episode of Aussie English, the number one place for anyone and everyone wanting to learn Australian English. So, today I have a GOSS episode for you where I sit down with my old man, my father, Ian Smithson, and we talk about the week's news, whether locally down under here in Australia or non-locally <laughs> overseas in other parts of the world, okay? And we sometimes also talk about whatever comes to mind, right? If we can think of something interesting to share with you guys related to us or Australia, we also talk about that in the GOSS. So, these episodes are specifically designed to try and give you content about many different topics where we're obviously speaking in English and there are multiple people having a natural and spontaneous conversation in English. So, it is particularly good to improve your listening skills. In order to complement that though, I really recommend that you join the podcast membership or the academy membership at aussieenglish.com.au where you will get access to the full transcripts of these episodes, the PDFs, the downloads, and you can also use the online PDF reader to read and listen at the same time, okay? So, if you really, really want to improve your listening skills fast, Get the transcript, listen and read at the same time, keep practicing, and that is the quickest way to level up your English. Anyway, I've been rabbiting on a bit, I've been talking a bit. Let's just get into this episode, guys. Smack the bird, and let's get into it. So, welcome to this episode of The Goss, guys. Dad, hey everyone! It's Sorry, it's been so drinks. long. We've had illness and lockdown, and uh, we're still in sort of semi-lockdown. So, hence the remote. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I guess we can start with the uh, lockdown. That was one of the topics that we wanted to cover. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the sort of story in a nutshell? That I, it's one of those things. I get sick of talking about COVID, but it is one of those oh, topics that's going around constantly, and people want to know a little bit more about it and what's happening. And I guess we yeah. just have to try and avoid the superficial. And dive deeper. Yeah, and look, because Australia and New Zealand have made a um, zero tolerance policy decision effectively that they basically just want to uh, get cases down to zero in the country, uh, it means that we go into tight lockdowns quite quickly and for extended periods of time. Whereas I know in other parts of the world, they've had lockdowns, not quite as severe as ours for a long period of time. But most of Europe, for instance, now is just they've gone out of it. The United States is out of lockdowns. Most other places in you know, North America are, are the same. So, it's um, it's it's a bit difficult in some ways to talk to people who are not in Australia or New Zealand um, about our lockdown problems because we're really sort of unique, I suppose, in that regard. But um, we had a... Um, an outbreak, I suppose, what now to be seven or eight weeks ago in Sydney in New South Wales. Was it the um, end of June? Something like that, yeah. Um, and that ended up, you know, a couple of people ended up coming into Victoria. Um, and so we've got cases here. In, same in Queensland, South Australia had them quickly. South Australia got only one case and they got rid of it quickly. Um, South but, Australia and Western Australia, and I think probably the Northern Territory have done really well, haven't they? And Tasmania. Yeah. Well, Western <laughs> Australia in particular, because they've just had a hard border policy and mm -hmm. they have distance on their side. You know, the tyranny of distance is the, the actual reverse in this case, because the, uh, you know, 
road trans you know, transport into Western Australia is you know, very, very small proportion of certainly the tourist trade. We have trains and road for cargo um, and freight and so on, but uh, almost everybody flies in and they've just banned flights. Uh, the only way you can get in there is to quarantine for two weeks you know, yep. when you get there. Uh, whereas you, just, you just made a reference to uh, a book, The Tyranny of Distance. The Tyranny of right? Distance. Do you yes. want to just explain that for people who may have missed that? Um, yeah, it's a um, it's a book about um, colonisation, European colonisation of Australia, and how being you know, on the other side of the world um, uh, meant life was extremely different and difficult for people when they came from Europe, and that the, the title of the book, "The Tyranny of Distance," was referring to the fact that being so far away from your home country um, meant that effectively you're isolated. It's like yeah. you know, us now going to Mars. You can't rely on, uh, certainly they couldn't at the time, rely yeah. on having supplies coming from, you know, from Europe and so on. So they were basically, when they got here, they were on their own. So you were saying it was the inverse of that being WA. Distance is actually a favourable thing because it means that few people go there and they haven't suffered too much from COVID as a result. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And they've just had this tight border policy that just says you can't come in. You know, so yeah, I remember uh, was it, it um, seems to have worked. Palmer was it Palmer? The Clive Palmer was trying oh, to sue yeah. them to open up. <laughs> yeah, he lost that one in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, so it's been interesting, hasn't it? So we had this Delta outbreak, I guess, in New South Wales. It then came to Victoria. Yeah. And the two states have handled it very differently. Do you want to sort of describe what the situation has been like and and how it's unfolded? Yeah, well, Sydney's um, Sydney's version of, or New South Wales um, government's version of handling the outbreak in Sydney was to uh, basically isolate populations within, you know, in suburbs and say, right, this suburb, you know, you can't leave your suburb. And what so are they on. calling them? LAs um, or something? Local? Um, LGAs, local government areas. So, yeah. um, you know, we have three tiers of government in Australia. We've got the federal government for the whole country. We've got state governments. And then we've got the local government areas, um, and cities and shire councils. And so they're, you know, that's an acronym that I had never heard used before. And now it's just become commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah typically, um, you yeah, know, uh, politics and the media will use acronyms for everything. <laughs> and it's so-, so weird how much they copy each other and the phrases that they use in the media. You'll hear one reporter or one politician use a certain phrase and suddenly it, like, just disperses everywhere. It I goes remember- viral to uh, use a, you know, <laughs> an obvious pun. Well, one of them was, like, saying um, we're going to have a lot of learnings Oh, from this the stuff. Learnings. Remember that when that was going around, and you're like, "That's yeah. not English." No one says yeah. learning. How, how do we turn a <laughs> verb into a noun and then pluralize it? Yeah. Well, we could just say we're going to learn a lot. Why do you? Yeah. There will be many. Well, having a lot of learning <laughs> is fine because that's the verb. You don't need to. It's it's this misinterpretation in language of um, the word sounds and looks from a syntax point of view like a noun in the mm-hmm. sentence, but it's actually a verb. And they pluralize it when they meant more than one. <laughs> and it's like sheeps as well. Even if it were a noun, it doesn't need to have an S added for pluralizing. You know? <laughs> it, well, it, it's so funny to sort of take a tangent. It's so interesting to learn about how language evolves and changes and the differences between languages. Because, I mean, learning Portuguese myself, there are a lot of verbs in Portuguese that you wouldn't have in English. You would have to use an adjective or a, a noun in a sentence. I mean, one of the examples is the verb disponibilizar, which means to make available to someone because right. disponible 
disponível is available, but right. they turn it into a verb, disponibilizar, meaning to um, make available. To make available, but it's a we have to use a phrase yeah. for it. So and we have, have we have phrasal verbs in in English to exactly. account for that. Yeah. It's, so it's it's really funny. Like, uh, which funnily, sorry to interrupt. Funnily enough, as soon as a phrasal verb is actually grammatically incorrect. Mm. Because it should be a phrasal clause, because of the fact that it's got a verb in it means that it's, <laughs> that it's a phrase. Yeah, means that it's a clause. It's no longer a phrase. I, but it's that that sort of um, ironic anomaly that you're creating something by calling it a phrasal verb, which means that it actually then becomes a verb, which makes it a clause. But yeah. another one would be viabilizar. Can you imagine what that one means? Viabilizar. Um, the uh, visible. No, close. Uh, to make something viable. Oh, viable. Yeah, viable. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, it's really interesting because it's like you wouldn't use, we wouldn't say, I'm going to make this, I'm going to viable this thing. I'm going to viabilize it. Yes. <laughs> but, but that would make total sense. It you, would. You could, but we mind. actually have that phrasal verb, to make available or make viable. or Exactly, to, yeah. You know, yeah, so uh, we do that a lot with, and I know you've got lots of material on phrasal verbs. Uh, yeah. because they are, I don't know if they're unique to English, but no. they're- um, I've heard Iranian has a lot of them. Yeah. And they are beautiful. I mean, the the best part about phrasal verbs, it's kind of a gift and a curse. People see phrasal verbs as like the enemy because, oh my God, there's these simple words that on their own usually have specific meanings, like say work and out, right? Yeah. To, to work, to do work. And then out is, you know, the opposite of in, it's, it's out, outside. But then when you say, I'm going to work something out, it's come so far away from the original meaning, which would have been like to do work on a piece of paper outwards, right? Yes. And, you know, solve something or yeah. draw something out as in display on paper. Mm. That would have been originally, I'm going to work this out by hand, you know, by right. doing the maths. And now we just mean it to figure something and to figure something out, right? To yeah. discover something, to, yeah. to, to think to about something. It. Exactly. Yeah. But it yeah. makes life so much easier because all you really have to know is probably 50 to 100 verbs and maybe 20 different prepositions. And mm -hmm. once you get used to using them together, you don't need to know new words. You just yeah. need to know the meaning and how it changes when right. they're added together. And then so, the noun makes context. Exactly. Whereas in Portuguese for me, for example, I can't, it's kind of a cheat because Portuguese is a Indo-European language. So a lot of the time I can work out what something means because I know the English root word, you yeah. know, it's from Latin or French and you can work it out. But um, with phrasal verbs, quite often I'm like, oh my God, what the hell is the word going to be? Like they don't have go in, they'll have entrar, yes. to, to, to enter or, you know, to go out will be sair. Yeah. Exactly. And so sometimes there'll be very specific verbs that I, t I can't work out because I can't mm. just say, Trabalhar fora, like to yes. work outside. Because <laughs> yeah, that, that, like, eh. that has the, the specific thing of like being a landscaper, you know, you're working it outside. Make sense. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. So it is, uh, language is a beautiful thing. Anyway, so we were talking about Yeah, we're talking COVID. about lockdown. Yeah, so lockdown. We've had Sydney um, went on this sort of half-assed, um, we'll lock down little, or well, didn't even lock down. They just basically trusted people. Um, and the irritating thing was that the... Um, the arrogance of the new of uh, the New South Wales yes. Premier, who was constantly going, "We'll do this the New South Wales way. We'll trust people in Sydney to do the right thing," and sure enough, ninety nine point nine percent of them didn't. But in a city of five million people, that's still a lot of people who are not doing the right thing, yeah. and so it just continued to spread. And now they've got you know hundreds of new cases a day, you know, 
sadly, they've got people dying every day. Um, and that also, because they weren't restricting by legislation uh, people travelling, they were travelling around the state of New South Wales. So it spread not just yeah. within the capital city, but around the rest of the state. And then people, of course, if you can travel out to, you know, country New South Wales, why can't you travel to Queensland or South Australia or Victoria? Or the ACT, so which just went into the lockdown. the ACT, yeah. which just got locked down yesterday. Uh, ACT is the Australian Capital Territory, which is and this little sort of bit of land surrounding the uh, Australia, the national capital, um, Canberra. They, they are pissed. They, oh, had they a are really. Five because they hour haven't had a case, They haven't had one case there for over a year. Yeah. And now they've got them because people have been coming from Sydney. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, so but Victoria's approach to that, as soon as we recognised that we had a case here, it was just, well, we'll shut the state down for a week. We started with three days, then they extended it to a week, then it went to two weeks. Um, and then fortunately for the last uh, week, we've had uh, country Victoria, so outside the greater Melbourne area, um, has been opened up. Um, it's not in lockdown. We still have some restrictions. We have to wear masks outside. We've still got a um, you know, QR code, you know, check in whenever we go to any commercial um, business uh, so if you're going shopping, like today, I just went out you know, shopping uh, for about 20 minutes and I went to three different shops. So I've got to keep pulling the phone out and you know, QR coding and so on. But at least that way, it's uh, we're being tracked and traced. And uh, it means that we can, if there is an outbreak, we can trace people and contact people easily. Um, the other thing we have, though, is obviously because Pete and I are in our homes and we are not, not able to visit each other in home. So um, we can go outside and catch up. Uh, but we can't be in each other's homes. And there's been that, a lot that's of next level. That. When you guys see the Goss filmed outdoors for the first time, that's going to be a, a next level organization. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's going to have to be multiple cameras powered. and independent mics. And oh. yeah, we'll yeah. need a we'll diesel need, generator need for the mixer yeah, and the computer. Broadcast at some stage. Yeah. Um, the. And so the um, there's been a lot of people who've been challenging that and saying, look, that's ridiculous. If we're allowed to go and meet in a cafe, why can't we meet in each other's homes? And it comes down to there's no logical argument um, around it. You can't argue that one is better than the other. And people are unfortunately trying to because the reason that the health department is saying that is because they know that the majority of transmissions at the moment are happening in people's houses. Yeah. If families visiting families, friends visiting friends when they shouldn't be. And so they're just stopping that. Well, and it's You're the amount of time. You are more likely to get the disease from a hypothetical case by going to somebody's house or meeting them in a cafe. They're simply saying, we know that most of these cases are happening by people going to other people's homes, so stop it. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty much working. We, uh, I haven't looked at the data today of how many cases we've had, but the most we've had so far is 21 new cases, and the majority of those are all easily traced back to the original two infestations that we had well we we went into lockdown originally i think yeah because we had the was it the um removalists and were one moving. family that had, that had traveled back from sydney there were two separate instances there were removalists yeah they came from sydney went to melbourne picked up a load then went to, to adelaide yeah. and then went back to sydney um <laughs> so that's the adelaide one came from them and all and most of our melbourne outbreak came from them and there was another one simultaneously um, same day or within 48 hours anyway, um, there was another family that had come from Sydney and, you know, come back to Melbourne and, um, you know, shouldn't have. 
but then it happened again, right? So we were almost out and in the clear and the rules had relaxed. And then yes. all of a sudden there were another two and cases had that had come in and we got cases. back to 20. Yeah. It's been nuts. How have you gone with mental health wise? Because it is interesting. I thought originally people were overreacting a bit with the the amount of um, talk online and on, on the news about mental health mm. from lockdowns. Like when I say that, I mean, prior to there having been a lockdown or maybe at the yes. start when we were going into them. But now after, I think this is our sixth, or it seventh, is in Victoria sixth, sixth. Yeah. yeah, lockdown. I can kind of now understand the effect that it's actually having. Like I found myself drinking more, at least more frequently, like having yeah. a beer a night yeah. um, over dinner and just being overall more depressed than usual because you just, I haven't been able to catch up with anyone besides yourself. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, when we went out recently after the, the rules relaxed again and we had to have coffee outside in another cafe. Yeah, so this latest um, lockdown has sort of occurred at the same time as me getting over a chest infection. And I mean, you had and it as me well. too. <laughs> yeah, the whole family had it. But it's taken me six weeks yeah. to get to the point where I can actually go for a walk now without wheezing. I'm asthmatic as well, but it's just hung on and hung on and hung on. So um, I haven't, even though we were technically allowed to be out of the home for two hours a day within five kilometres of home, for exercise, so I could have gone for a walk on the beach or you know walk around the streets or whatever. Um, it was just difficult to do that. So mm. just being stuck at home um, means that you know you've got to find something to do. And uh, ironically, I was what you know listening to um, Keith Urban, the Australian country music singer, um, who's a, a um, coach on the Australian The Voice show, the you know TV singing competition. He's married to and Nicole Kidman. Yeah, he's married to Nicole Kidman, which is why he's really famous. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but he, he was saying that uh, talking to one of the contestants uh, about it, because obviously they filmed this during, um, you know, the original pre-lockdown phase, the early parts of it, and it takes a while for us to catch up because we only get two or three shows a week, mm -hmm. um, catch up to real time. Um, and, but he was saying, and this is somebody who's, you know, squillions of dollars, a lifestyle that we would all envy, um, you know, lives half his time in Nashville, part of his time in Los Angeles, part of his time in Australia. Um, and he said that he felt really depressed. He said, because I couldn't get out, I can't get out and play music. Mm. And he said, I just felt like sitting in front of the TV all day and eating snacks. Yeah. And, and he said he had to, uh, <laughs> it, it hit him when he was talking to a friend. Uh, he rang a friend just to see, you know, see how he's going, and the, and he was telling him that, and the guy just said, "I know exactly what you mean, but you've got to stop looking at what you can't do and look at what you can do. Mm. Find something to do and do those sort of things." So, um, and funnily enough, I'd sort of taken that advice without being advised it, but done the same thing myself. So when we started off in lockdown last year, I thought I'm going to write a book. And so I've been writing this family history book and that's taken me a lot longer than I thought, but at least it's been a project to work on. And it's a project that I can't do outside. I can't, you know, yes, I would like to go out photographing some of the old family sites and things, which I've been able to do while we're out of lockdown. Um, but mostly it's sitting in front of the computer and writing and then doing the layout and doing that sort of stuff. So uh, I think that's really part of the advice to people. If you, um, yeah. yeah, stop worrying about what you can't do and think about what you can do and find something new to do. You know, it's work on your English, keep listening to Aussie English, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> no, but I was saying the same thing because I've been trying to do as much Portuguese recently as possible. I noticed that 
my Portuguese hasn't dramatically improved since moving in with Kel after we got married and, you know, having having a family, it hasn't really improved this whole time. Because Baby speak has probably improved. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me, guys. Excuse me. Yeah. Oh, I have to get a swab. But, yeah, so I've been <laughs> trying to read and listen to podcasts and do a lot more. I'm actually listening to a dramatized, dramatized, dramatized? Dramatized. Um, <laughs> dramatized um, audio reading of Game of Thrones, which is really Oh, really? Good. Yeah, yeah, so I've, I'll tell you my little system. So I have, I have the ebook for the first book. I have that read by this um, dramatized. I don't know if they're just a company or something in Brazil that have done it for this one book. I'm assuming it's legal because it's up online and you can just access it. And I then have found a podcast where they discuss each chapter in mm. Portuguese. These two girls, I think it's called uh, Hodor Cavallo, so like H- Hodor Horse or something. Right. And so I, each time I listen to a chapter, I find the new vocab and then listen to the debrief of the right. chapter and they compare it to the TV show and what's different and which characters came in and what they did, why they liked it, why they didn't like it. So it's a very good way of in- reinforcing um, the Portuguese and the understanding and everything of that that book and it's funny i mean rory my um brother-in-law gave had a go at me he's like oh your medieval portuguese is gonna get really good (laughs) yeah but the the weird thing is i was sort of freaking out originally i'm like do i really want to read game of thrones there's going to be so much vocab in there that's just redundant or weird like Mm. i've been learning a dozen different words for horse corsel gahan or cavalo but it, it is interesting how much of it is just normal language because there is a lot yes. of dialogue and inner thought going on. So it is still useful and it's enthralling. So it's really, it's really been good to smash out a chapter of that each day. Um, before we finish up this episode, do you want to talk about Victoria versus New South Wales, um, the two premieres, and then maybe how the media's covered that as well? Um, yeah, well, we have a very, um, well, say very, for Australian politics, we have a very right-wing mainstream media, most of which is owned by Rupert Murdoch. Um, and that's not just newspapers, um, you know, he owns TV channels. TV channels, radio stations and everything. So um, the general reporting of things in the commercial media is fairly right-wing. Not right-wing in comparison with many other countries. I mean, yeah, but... Uh, conservative and, and aimed conservative towards business, and, big business. And uh, supporting business, but also basically supporting the Liberal National Party, whether they're in government, which they are in the federal government, or in the case, as Peter suggested, in New South Wales, there is a Liberal government. In a, in Victoria, there is a, a... Our state government is a Labor government, so left-wing. Um, the Murdoch press, in particular... Um, for exactly the same decisions that get made every now and then, will be praising Gladys Berejiklian, who's the uh, Premier of New South Wales, and criticising Daniel Andrews, who's the uh, Premier of Victoria. And to, to pause you there, some of the things, you'll go and see some of the cartoons that they've made of Dan Andrews, Dictator Dan, they've called him, and they've dressed him up as, like, Chairman Mao and Hitler... Yeah. And Stalin saying, you know, that he's this authoritarian person because of lockdowns. And then when Gladys has done the same thing, they're like, oh, the woman who saved New South Wales yeah, or whatever. And you're exactly. like, make up your mind, guys. Right. And she she went through a period where she wouldn't even say the L word. She wouldn't say lockdown. Yeah, she right? didn't say lockdown for weeks at the beginning <clears> She yeah, because she, she, didn't, she didn't want to have that. Over the top of it because, and I'm sure, in some ways, I think I've said this before. In some ways, I sort of feel sorry for Gladys, only a little bit, just a little bit, <laughs> um, because I'm sure she's uh, for a long time has just been a puppet of the federal government. 
yeah. uh, where you know, the Scott Morrison, our prime minister, and the federal government, that's also Liberal and National Party, the two conservative parties in the country, um, they've been making policy decisions about what the country should do. And I'm sure with New South Wales being the most populous state and the one that is currently in trouble, uh, mostly with COVID, I'm sure they have been trying to drive their agenda through Gladys. And um, a year ago, well, you know, a year and a half ago when COVID first hit, um, the three East Coast, um, if you discount Tasmania, apologies to Tasmanians, but uh, the three East Coast states, Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland, two Labor Party premiers and one Liberal Party premier both stood up against the federal government when they were trying to say, look, we don't want lockdowns, it'll affect business, blah, blah, blah. And all three of them said, no, this is the only way we can go. And they basically ran the country in terms of the you know, how we dealt with COVID for about three or four months. And then yeah, Scamo went to Wendy, Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. And then well, <laughs> that was during the bushfires. No, that was the joke, though. Like two months. Mentally, mentally yeah, he went exactly. to Hawaii. He's like, tap out, guys. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, they were sort of, the yeah, the three musketeers really were, were really driving the um, the, the national cabinet on, you know, which was all of the leaders of the states and the uh, the federal government getting together to make decisions about these things. Um, but then that sort of disappeared after Melbourne went into lockdown. Then it became very much a Liberal Party versus Labor Party policy and process. Whatever Queensland and Victoria did was wrong, and whatever the gov federal government wanted New South Wales to do was right. And of course, the Murdoch press supported it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, that's that's probably what you see. I really don't like Gladys anymore at all. Like, she's just done such a bad job and seems to be flip-flopping all over the place. And you see these, like I sent you that video today. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I don't want to criticise other states, but... It's effectively a video where there are all these cuts of her from different news interviews. And when it doesn't suit her, she says, effectively, when someone's asking or comparing other states to, to hers and showing that she's been making some bad decisions or that things are going wrong, she just says oh, well, I'm not going to comment on any other states and what they're doing. But the moment she thinks she's got the upper hand and that she's got a point to prove and, yeah. you know, crap on the other states, yes. she'll be like, oh, well, Victoria did this and Queensland did this. And then the next line, it'll be the next day and it'll be like, well, I'm not commenting on other states. And you're just <laughs> like, my God, I just hate politicians like that. It's yeah. just so, it's so well, myopic. It's such, it's such superficial marketing strategy yeah. um, that you, you just, say what you want people to hear rather yeah. than telling them the truth. And the saddest thing is that in politics, probably in any country, that's selected for. If you're an honest person, you're going to be taken out pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. So yes. The first person to admit fault and say, yeah, I made a mistake, they'll be like, well, he can't be trusted. You've got to vote him out. And everyone's like, oh, crap, he can't be trusted. We've got to yeah. go with that guy that says he never makes mistakes. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for joining us for this episode and we will see you next time. See ya. Alrighty, you mob, thank you so much for listening to or watching this episode of The Goss. If you would like to watch the video, if you're currently listening to it and not watching it, you can do so on the Aussie English channel on YouTube. You'll be able to subscribe to that. Just search Aussie English on YouTube. And if you're watching this and not listening to it, you can check this episode out also on the Aussie English podcast, which you can find via my free Aussie English podcast application on both Android and iPhone. You can download that for free or you can find it via any other good podcast uh, app that you've got on your phone, Spotify, podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it is. I'm your host, Pete. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a ripper of a day and I will see you next time.
Peace.